It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Sportsnet Michigan and C92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And the millennial man is Jared Patel of Fox 17 TV in Grand Rapids, Michigan and Fat Stack Sports. Comments and questions can be sent by email to 3 Pod at gmail.com or hit them up on social media at 3 Pod. The fellows will get it rolling right after this from our partners. Great news to report. Sheridan Realty and Auction Company has built a new 7,500-square-foot warehouse in Owasso. Now we are able to take all of your items and put it underneath one roof. Whether you are able to bring us a vehicle, an ATV, furniture, it goes inside. Go to SheridanAuctionService.com to see more. More importantly, stop down and see us at 1007 South Washington Street. You'll do better with Sheridan. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our community. They're not tied into an out-of-state corporation or their board of directors. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. The top priority is caring for our friends and neighbors, being right there when you need them most. With unique service to represent unique lives in mid-Michigan, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. The business started in 1880 and continues the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, see them on the web at nelsonhouse.com or call them at 989-723-5234. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your larger, small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of three-point podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Well, get ready for episode 149 of Three Point Podcast. Our special partners include Advanced Elevator, Corona Connection, Hankard Sportswear, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, and Z92.5 The Castle. I'm the grandpa, Ted Fattel. Our middleman is Matt Burns on the phone from North Carolina. And the young stud, Jared Fattel, joins me here in the Z92.5 Three Point Podcast studios. Give us a follow on social media at Three Point Pod, and we're very excited to be on a new platform locker room app download it today you can join in we'll tell you a little bit about that and we're going to get into our lions and packers conversation on that platform before we take a short break and get into that conversation matt tell our uh, listeners a little bit about uh, the new app yeah so like you said it's called locker room and essentially that's i think that's what the intent is for the app is for it to be like a locker room uh you can join the app for free it's a free download free to sign up and anyone on there can create a lobby, basically, on whatever topic you want. If you want to talk about the Lions or if you want to talk about Michigan football or if you're really into The Bachelor, you could start a Bachelor lobby. There you go, and Jared. And anyone on the app can join in on that, and you can start a room, start talking about it, whatever topic you want. If you want it to be about politics, the COVID vaccine, you know, it really could be anything you wanted. You could start up. I think the intent is for it to be mostly sports, but you can join in. 
and anyone can talk. It's free, like I said, so it should be pretty cool. Here's the thing about – it's funny how you just threw out the Bachelor thing. You, of anyone on this uh, podcast, Matt, do you agree that the guy who would be watching The Bachelor is probably Ted? <laughs> You're the only one that's, that's still kind of hanging on to the live TV. And- oh, no. The, I think the ba- – this is my opinion. I think The Bachelor is about the stupidest thing there is, and there's many, many fans out there, I understand. <laughs> but it's about the dumbest concept and the stupidest show, in my opinion. So, no, I'm not on board with The Bachelor. Well, I don't know. I, I'm with you. I'm not a fan of The Bachelor. I don't know about a, the dumbest concept. The concept is actually, like, uh, to me, I think it's kind of interesting. If you were The Bachelor and they just gave you whatever it is, 16 women that are going to try and <laughs> win you over, the concept isn't that bad. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Here's where it gets weird is when it's the it's the Bachelorette. And I think it's a really cool show, and it's not that weird if all these guys view it as, like, a competition where basically they're really not even, like, in love with this girl. They just want to win. I think that's kind of funny. But it gets kind of weird when they're all, like, crying and stuff over this girl who's going on, like, 20 dates in one night, and they think they're, like, the special one. That's when it gets a little bit weird. Well, that's one of the things that just irks me the most. I mean, to see that kind of stuff and and people think that's real? I think it is real. Really? When the lights are on and... I guess. You, you think you're going to be the magical story. Wow. Well... I'll, I'll go along with your survivor take from last podcast, but Bachelor, no way. <laughs> but again, back to our back to the locker room. I think one of the neat things about it, and we've been trying to look at ways where we can get maybe some participation from our followers, and they can actually hop on there, and you know, we'll have certain podcasts that uh, will will encourage uh, participation from the listeners. And I think that could be very cool. Yeah, like I said, anyone anyone can sign up, so you could. You could join whether we're talking about the Lions or if we get on after a Michigan game or Michigan State game or just to record a podcast. You can sit there and listen. Or if Jared's going off about one of his hot takes, you could chime in. You could jump in and and tell Jared that his take is just completely wrong. (laughs) It's a really good idea. Um, I think it's the perfect idea for podcast. Like obviously, obviously, I don't think it would work if you're like a Stephen A. Smith or something like that, where it'd be a million people in this thing. Mm-hmm. But I think it's perfect for a pod that's right around our size, that's kind of growing, and people. We have a lot of kind of pretty loyal listeners. I think it'd be really cool to be able to interact with them. You know, uh, Matt brought up the fact that uh, you know people can comment about your hot takes, but I think. Ultimately, I'll probably get the brunt of most of the grief because mostly young people, I think, will be on top of this. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Well, we're going to give it a go. I'm looking forward to it. It should be a lot of fun, and uh, we'll get our takes on the Lions and Packers here in just a moment. But I want to tell you about Advanced Elevator Company. They have the best trained professional field technicians for installation, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest. Centrally located with headquarters in the heart of Owasso, an area business leader and a longtime huge supporter of the Corona Public Schools. Also, Hankard Sportswear, the area's go-to clothing and more printing business. With many loyal customers, the Hankard Sportswear team pride themselves by giving a good product at a tremendous value. 100% guaranteed to satisfy your expectations. All kinds of special items for family, sporting, and business events. In downtown Owasso, give them a call, 989-725-2979, or follow them on Facebook at hankard.sportswear. To start this off for our podcast listeners who are listening to this on Three Point Podcast, we're doing this little chat live on the Locker Room app just minutes after the Lions game. So if you haven't downloaded the Locker Room app, go to your Apple store and download Locker Room and Go ahead and sign up for free. Like I said, it's free. 
check it out. You can get on and talk about just about anything. So we're talking right now about the Lions. And uh, for anyone who's listening on Locker Room, the three of us, Ted, Jared, and myself, Matt, we're the Three Point Podcast. You can follow us on all social media sites at Three Point Pod, and you can find our podcast on all podcast platforms. So coming into the game, like I, I tweeted out, like, they legitimately, the Lions, were legitimately still in the playoff hunt. I know it's funny. It sounds ridiculous. They've been terrible. They fired their coach halfway through the season. But, like, mathematically, they were still in the playoff hunt. Of course, they get to play Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. But, you know, if they if they won this game, they would have been in great position to make a little run. And they put up a fight. But I don't know what you guys felt. Like, it kind of it felt like the whole game. They weren't actually going to win. Same with, it's we've seen Aaron Rodgers beat the Lions a million times it just felt like eventually Aaron Rodgers was gonna extend the lead and and they couldn't get the ball back at the end of the game and Aaron Rodgers won the game uh, is that kind of what you guys thought that's that's exactly what I thought before we get into the actual Lions I just have to say this we're looking at uh, this locker room app which is pretty sweet now that I'm kind of in it and looking around but Ted I can't help but notice your profile picture it looks like it's like circa like 2005 from and I just noticed you always do the same exact pose in photos which is where the camera is a little bit elevated and then you have your arms crossed well if you want to talk about photos i mean you're wearing a styrofoam hat for god's sakes from 1983 yeah but that's a that's a pretty dope hat though i mean obviously (laughs) it's all right the 1983 cavaliers is that actually your dad's jared oh yeah it was my grandpa's he gave it to me a few months ago it's it's pretty legit i'm not gonna lie that's awesome a lot of compliments on that it, it it is pretty sweet but in terms of the Lions, I mean, I, it just cracks me up how bad this defense is. I, the one play that I kind of circled as just this encapsulates this Lions team, third and 14, midway through the third quarter, Lions are down by a score. Aaron Rodgers finds Marquez Valdez-Scantling on like a 20-yard pass. Not only that, but we have like an illegal touching. That would have been an automatic first down anyway. And just this defense, this defensive secondary is so bad that there's really no way in the world that we're going to be a good NFL team as long as that's the case. It, they're so bad. Yeah, you're 100% right. The difference in the game was the defense. They couldn't put any pressure on Rodgers. The defensive backs faked out of their jocks I don't know how many times and just couldn't tackle. I mean, that's a glaring weakness that they got to shore up. Yeah, and it, it's. I was waiting for – I saw somebody on Twitter mention, like, waiting for uh, somebody on the Lions defense to, like, make a big play, you know, come up with an interception, come up with a strip sack, you know, something – and it just made me think, like, didn't we used to have a cornerback? His nickname was Big Play Slay. And it just it, it just felt like, you know, a, a couple of the cornerbacks did come up with, you know, some some defensive pass breakups that did kind of put the Lions in position. So I'm not going to completely, like, bag on the cornerbacks. But it just feels like kind of like what you guys are saying. It, there's no, like, legitimate playmakers, you know, like a Khalil Mack who's going to go and get a couple sacks on Rodgers or like a big play slay or, you know, a corner like that, that's going to go create a turnover, get, you know, an interception and just flip the game. It just, this defense, I mean, you said it, Jared, they, they stink. And, you know, I don't know if that's Quinn making the wrong trades or the wrong draft picks. Obviously our, our, our top five draft pick corner is injured. So that doesn't help, but it's a mess. Matt, this is what happens when we are constantly in pick number 10 range. This is what happens. We don't yeah. get the Namakung Sus. We don't get the Chase Youngs. I just saw Mike Tomlin talking to Chase Young saying how he wishes he could get a player like him, but he's never going to be able to draft him because they're never like a bottom-of-the-barrel team. And then our most recent pick, Jeff Okuda, I just saw a headline the other day that it's like the worst pick in Lions history. I mean, yeah. That's not good. That's not good. Yeah. 
that's saying a lot too, for sure. On a positive, <laughs> but the bad ones. On on a positive, and we've talked about it before. I mean, Hawkinson, even though they they spent a you know what a top ten pick on him, he looks like he's the real deal, and he continues to impress me anyway with the way he can catch the ball. Yeah, well, well, I was I was just about to say. I mean, right before you you finished up your thought with how he catches the ball, I was just about to say, except for the few drops, it seems like <laughs> he'll he'll catch a ball like off his shoestrings. But then other times he has one like right in the breadbasket and he drops it. But no, I know on the podcast, I've been very critical of Hawkinson, but mostly because of because they drafted him top 10. That's mostly why. But he clearly seems like he is coming into his own and maybe going to make that draft pick worthwhile because Stafford loves throwing him. I mean, I feel like Stafford just looks at him almost every pass, you know, every play. But um, I mean, it was nice to see DeAndre Swift back out there. You know, he, he had some good runs and some good plays and it just uh yeah I don't know I mean I I was maybe I mean you guys know me I'm a little bit of a Lions slappy but I was getting a little excited like maybe the Lions with you know with Bevel they're gonna kind of like the the Gary Moeller thing when he came in as interim coach back in the day I know Ted you remember that oh yeah maybe maybe with Bevel they'll they'll beat the Packers and actually make a little run at the playoffs and I was like then I was like oh yeah Aaron Rodgers is really good yeah what what are your guys' thoughts on Bevel? Uh, something about what he was wearing on the sidelines today was just kind of outrageous. It was like the it was like an Under Armour like long sleeve with the matching Honolulu blue like mask. He looked like a ninja. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I didn't think too much about it. <laughs> if you're going to be a coach, uh, hey, the ninja look couldn't it could be worse. <laughs> yeah, why is it that he got the like? Are we? Who, why did the offensive coordinator not get the job? If you looked at like what they had done this season, the defense has been bad all year. The offense has been pretty good all year. Why is it that Bevel is the one that, I mean, not that it really matters because both these guys are going to be gone after this season, but why is it that Bevel is the one that got the like promotion? I don't necessarily understand that. I mean, was it almost like who else are you going to give it to? (laughs) I mean, you know, you know what I mean? Like maybe like the special teams coach is like a, head coach in the waiting but you know I almost feel like it was like who else are you going to give it to give it to Bevel see what he can do for the last part of the season I mean he even said he he aspires I guess to be a head coach so maybe you know he he wanted this position and I don't know like you asked what do we think about him I didn't know you were going towards his outfit I thought you were going (laughs) to say like his his offense like uh, you know what do you guys think like they're gonna. They have to bring in a new GM and head coach, obviously. But yeah. do we want to keep? Do we want to no. keep Bevel, or are we moving on? No, I'm fine moving on. And I'm actually kind of like, if I could have watched this game with Matt Patricia, I would have, because <laughs> this is the classic. Whenever a team gets rid of a coach, they have the one week where they kind of put all the the stars sort of align, like last week against the Bears, where we looked very good, and they kind of convince themselves like, oh, it was all the coach. Like we don't suck. No. These players actually suck too, and I'm glad that they kind of realize that that they're still Aaron Rodgers' little son, and he's going to continue to dominate them because they're not very good. Yeah, but when you think about it, this is a pretty darn good Packer team, and yeah, we got the bump with the Patricia uh, canning last week. That was almost a given, but overall, other than the the defense not really playing all that good, it, it was a pretty entertaining, hard fought game by the Lions, don't you think? Against a good Packer team. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't a blowout. So, you know, it, it, they, they did what the Lions always do. They right. keep you in it. They keep you in it till the end. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then in the end, they let you down. And I just, I had to laugh. I mean, I feel like I saw maybe the headline earlier this week, but 
when our uh, right tackle Nelson, like they, they talk about he's starting former <laughs> defensive lineman. I'm just like, oh my God, like this is where we're at. Like we're starting defensive lineman at right tackle. And he actually had like an okay game, but I just, it, it just made me think like whatever GM comes in and head coach, I, I like what, what direction do you go with this roster? It's a mess. Are you keeping Stafford? Are you just kind of like going to completely blow everything up? Like, I, I don't know. Like, what what do you guys are, are we back on keeping Stafford? I know we kind of went back and forth a little bit. Yeah, I well, ho- I'll, hopefully I'll jump, he's healthy first of all. Right, I'll jump in and just say, from what I see of this team, you know, it it starts at the top, and Matt Patricia was definitely not the guy. They've had some injuries, you know, Galladay. Look how long he's been out. I would stick with Stafford. I said it on the last podcast, and I really, honestly. If the Lions get rid of this silly SOL mentality and the losing mentality and the bad karma that goes along with it, I think they have some decent pieces on this team. And, you know, in the NFL, if you get the right signees, maybe make a draft choice or two that makes sense, they could be right back in the hunt pretty quickly. I I don't think I would blow it completely up. I think what they need to do is they need to draft. We need to draft Stafford's replacement ASAP. I know you guys yeah. are on the boat of keeping Stafford. I guess I wouldn't necessarily be totally against it, but we need to waste all of our draft picks on defense. There is no star yeah. player on this defense at all. The offense is pretty much that we've spent the last like three or four drafts drafting running backs and building this offense up. It's time to put all of our resources into this defense because it's it's horrendous. Yeah. Well, we did I mean, draft a defensive back number one. I, was, I, was <laughs> I know we got to keep. We got to do that. <laughs> we needed to hit. We need a defensive line. We need a pass rush. I was going to say, yeah, to be fair, that should be pick number one this year. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. A, a pass rusher or something. They need to spend, they, they need to get some playmakers on defense. Yes. And uh, I'll just read quick what uh, Jacob Cox just chimed in. The new GM should tell Stafford, we're trying to find the next franchise QB. Then he can either choose to stay or retire or ask for a trade. But with a bad draft pick, not sure which QB, QB you'll be able to get this year. Yeah, I mean, that, that might be a good point. I mean, maybe Stafford's getting to the point in his career where it, it's almost like his last hurrah type of thing. And, you know, you almost give him the choice. Like, do you want to be a mentor? Kind of like with Brett Favre, you know, when they drafted Aaron Rodgers. Do you want – you're the starter, but, you know, you're going to be the mentor. Or, you know, do you want to move on? Maybe you got to approach Stafford like that. But, yeah, it, it's tough because I'm such a big Stafford fan, and I, I love seeing him succeed. But then even – even today, you know, he goes up and maybe busted up a couple of ribs. So even injuries are starting to pile up. Matt, I, I would argue that I'm a bigger Stafford fan than you because I'm the one that's willing to let him go to brighter pastures. You're the one that's <laughs> yeah. to him, keeping him tied down here. Let him go, man. <laughs> Just let it's him like, go. It's like the whole, like, uh, like, relationship. Like, if you really love her, you would break up with her <laughs> yeah, and let her much. be happier somewhere else. Like, it's like that. Pretty huh? much. <laughs> I don't think – I was going to ask you guys, uh, you know, watching the, the Packers – like, what do you, do you guys think, like, how crazy it is that the Packers, like, I feel like it's not talked about enough, and we have to deal with it twice a year at least as Lions fans, that the Packers went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. Like, I, I can't even imagine as a fan base or, like, you know, as a fan, literally for 30 years going into the season, you don't have to worry about quarterback. That's one position. Like, you just, for 30 years, like, Jared, your whole life, you would have Hall of Fame quarterback as as a fan. You know, like that's it's just crazy to think about. I feel like it's not talked about enough. 
it makes me jealous of, of the yeah. Packers for sure. You know, I mean, I, I and I'm like you, Matt, and I, we're all Stafford fans for sure. I mean, it's, it, he's the best quarterback I've ever seen for Detroit. I was born when Bobby Lane was still there. But, of course, he wasn't the classic, uh, you know, all pro quarterback as far as his throwing. He just was a leader on a team that had all kinds of great players. But Stafford. You know, he's an elite quarterback that just hasn't had the surrounding cast. And unfortunately, you know, it looks like he's going to go down as one of those guys that just never had a chance for a championship. You know, a great player, but no do championship. You, do you think he's he's not even going to make it to the Hall of Fame, is he? he there's no way. Man. Oh, really? I think he is. You look at the numbers. I don't, I don't know. I really don't think he will. Really? The, I think the no playoff wins thing. Oh, the numbers are that incredible, hurts. obviously. The no playoff wins. Yeah, it hurts. Because even a guy like like Philip Rivers, you know, at least he has some playoff wins. Obviously, like Marino, uh, you know, won some playoff games and stuff. But, you know, I, he's only 32. So I guess we'll see, like, what the next five or six years plays out. If he keeps – if he plays with the Lions, who knows what's going to happen. But, well, yeah, that's – that He continues his career the same way that it's been going, which is, you know, 7-9, and 8-8, eight and eight, don't make the playoffs, have really good stats. I don't know how he gets in, really. Yeah. Yeah, he's just he's basically like Got to let, let him go. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, but the biggest thing is, I mean, I'm not like ripping Chase Daniel. He only came in like spot duty, but clearly like we've, he's not like the quarterback of the future. So <laughs> like, you know, you either oh. got to make a trade or like you said, Jared, you got to draft a guy. And I don't know if you hold on to Stafford for a year to let the rookie develop or you just, you know, throw, throw the rookie or maybe you start Chase Daniel at the start of the year and then bring the rookie in kind of like what the Dolphins did with Tua. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the GM's going to – whoever comes in as GM is going to have some fun, that's for sure. Ted, you want to well, sign up? I wouldn't be against Stat- flipping Stafford at draft at the draft because it seems like assets always go way higher on draft night. Yeah. Let's flip the draft, get us a couple picks, and then draft a quarterback. That's the way I would do it. Well, I see Josh Allen has joined in. He just says, same with Atlanta, blow it up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, which is, like, crazy to think about because, I mean, Matt Ryan is a former league MVP, took the Falcons to the Super Bowl – but he looks terrible now. I mean, he he looks like a shell of himself. So, right? I mean, oh, man. I, I, man, it almost, like, hurts to say that. Like, blow up Stafford. Get rid of him. Because, man, I've, I've been such a big fan my whole life of his. but Or his whole career, I mean. but Well, well at this point, I just think they got to figure out a way to get two more wins so I can make my 13 bucks. That's what it is. <laughs> I dig. <laughs> I tell you what, if you... I will personally go and get that and cash that ticket for you just so that it can actually be worth the amount of time you made to bet it. Because you, you, the gas money, it's basically, it's, it's null and void. I, I'll tell it, you what. It's company gas. <laughs> put it put it on the company card. <laughs> That's right. No, I'll, I'll be curious. So what do we think for the rest of the season? I mean, obviously, obviously we're going to watch, but, I mean, is it like, you know, play – I don't know, play all the, like, just throw it all out there, play a bunch of rookies, see what you got. I mean, if Stafford really is hurt, is it even worth playing him? You know, kind of like, what do you guys think they should do? Like Kenny Galladay, do you even try to bring him back or you just let him try and get healthy? I see Josh also said uh, he doesn't want to give Kenny Galladay an extension. I'm kind of with you. I I think Galladay, I don't want to pay him like max money. He's a good receiver, but you know, like stuff like that. Like if guys are banged up, you almost just throw in the towel on the season. If you might as well. I mean, you got to see what you got. So play some of the other guys. I mean, I got a feeling that Stafford probably has a, a broken river too. I think he's probably going to be shut down for the rest of the year. Galladay, you know, I I could take it or leave it if he comes back. But let's see what some of the other other kids can do. 
and uh, you know, just play it out at this point. They're not they're not going anywhere. Yeah. No, how do why do we want Galladay gone? Just because it's the first guy that deserves to get paid. Like it's the only guy that we've had in probably five years that deserves an extension. And you guys are just like, let's. Look. I didn't say. Let's I didn't. Help. No, I didn't say get rid of him. I just said shut him down for the year. That's yeah, right. I, I guess that's kind of where. Like if he's, yeah, if he's really banged up, but uh, you know, looking for an extension, I'd be, I'd be curious what kind of money he wants. I'm not willing. I wouldn't want to pay him Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones money, but if he's cool coming on a smaller contract or something, because at some point, I mean, if we like Hawkinson, they're gonna have to give Hawkinson a big deal. You know, or if DeAndre right. Swift really ends up being a really good running back, they're going to have to pay DeAndre Swift. You know, so like some of those things are Okuda, if he develops. Yeah, I don't know. So you got to pay, you got to pay Galladay market value, though. What do you say? What, is yeah. he top 10 or 12, you know, in I, the NFL? I, I think definitely top 12. I'd receiver top 20. I think, yeah, you got to pay him market value. Obviously, don't overpay him like way overboard, like a really bad contract. But I feel right. like that happens in the nfl there's you not like in the nba where it seems like as soon as paul george signs a contract you're like oh my god that's a terrible contract and that doesn't really happen in the nfl yeah i guess we'll see i mean so what are we uh are we locked into the nfl for the rest of the season or um since the lions are kind of out nba's coming back college basketball is in full swing is this kind of like move us uh, on from the nfl or what oh i'll still be watching the nfl i'll be uh maybe dvnr dvr in the lions a little bit and doing some other things on sundays but i'll be watching definitely the nfl still with the, with the playoffs coming up it's going to be good even without the lions yeah i'm still and it's it's not your typical season for the nfl but it's still a dang good product i've got nothing better to do on sundays i might as well watch it and it, it kind of you've you've pointed out too jared i mean they're at, they're at the point where say they they lose out you know they could move up in the draft or so they're going to try and fight and win some games, and they'll be around the whatever the twelve or thirteen mark. So I guess that's what we're watching, right? Draft draft status. The Lions. I'm in mock, mock draft season. Like, just start throwing. Even if it's not at all how the draft's going to play out, just throw me like five names, like Devontae <laughs> Smith. Let's show me a mock draft where we get him. I don't even if it doesn't make sense. I don't. I love those. Yep. yep. So you're you're following Todd McShay and Mel Kiper is what you're saying from now on. Yeah, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. All right, guys. Well, we got anything else on this uh, most recent Lions loss? I think we're pretty well covered. All right. Well, yeah. So for everyone here on Locker Room, uh, this is Three Point Podcast. You can follow us on all social media sites at Three Point Pod. The podcast is on all podcast platforms. Uh, Just search Three Point Podcast and you'll find us. And everyone listening on the podcast, we're recording this on Locker Room app. So go download that for free. And we'll probably be doing more stuff on here. On locker room, was this fun, guys? Or yeah. what do you think? With my short, uh, <laughs> our short interaction with it, I actually really like this app. It's it's really clean. It's easy to figure out. Yep. Yes. You, I, you, I like so, it too. And I was going to say, was that a subtle ahead. jab at Ted? Was that <laughs> well, I, I couldn't help but overhear you guys saying how it's so easy to, when I joined the chat and then I was trying to request to speak. You guys, I overheard you guys talking saying how this shouldn't be that hard to figure out. I should have been in here already. So maybe it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff all right guys well hey uh i guess go lines right what is it hashtag since 57 <laughs> well that was a lot of fun and uh, as i always say hashtag since 57 nelson house funeral homes top goal is to serve the families in our community the number one priority is caring for our friends and neighbors and being right there when you need them the most more info on the web at nelson-house.com also, Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official sports bar of Three Point Podcast. Keep supporting them 
by calling in your takeout orders. That's Rivals Tap House and Grill in Corona at the corner of M21 and State Road. And also, Sheridan Auction Service. Always a wide variety of items and real estate on their docket. Stay up to date by checking their website at SheridanAuctionService.com. I don't know about you guys, but when I'm watching the Army-Navy game, and I know this year is a little bit of a different year, I want it to be the ultimate sportsmanship event. And what it was is at the end of the game, if you watched any of this game, one, it was a total snoozer. Kind of a crazy fact is the the under in the Army-Navy game has hit like 30 out of 40 times. <laughs> like over the last four, it hits like every single year pretty much with ease. So Army wins 15 to zero. After the game, they're sitting there, they're fighting. Even this is just the ultimate encapsulation of 2020 in the game that normally the teams are, you know, sitting there singing each other's fight song at the end of the game. There's a mutual respect between the two teams this year. They're coming to blows after the game. And it's something about it. Just it ruined the the patriotism of the game. It ruined the everything I look forward to about this game. Just the two service academies going back and forth, the mutual level of respect, the just overall bigger and bigger than a game of football, like, kind of just aura around it it's ruined well you know the, the thought that crossed my mind is and you brought up the fact that of course it's 2020 this is happening uh you know we're watching what's been going on in the political scene for the last year or so and you know many many people have said damn this country's headed for civil war and now you see army and navy going at it kind of in their own little <laughs> civil war i mean i hope that's not an omen yeah you wonder if like the, the the they came to blows after the game like you said if it was you know, you always hear about the different service academies having a little bit of a rivalry, you know, maybe between the Marines, Army, Navy, you know, whatever. Like, there's a little bit of a rivalry there. I was wondering if it was like that or if something happened, like, during the actual football game that set people off or set some of the players off. That's what I was wondering. But, but right, when you see it's Army versus Navy and they're having to get separated and then they go off and they're singing fight songs in the national anthem, it's like, what is going on? It is almost like uh, – like a microscope or whatever of what's going on in this country right now. You know, it truly is, though. When you when you look at Army-Navy throughout time, and every year it usually comes in that one week when all the major, yeah. major games are done and they kind of have the stage to themselves, it is something that I really look forward to every year, especially when it's a competitive matchup. And the, the thing that really stood out to me on this one yesterday was, and I tweeted it, I love the Army uniforms. I just I thought those were so cool looking, you know, going with the the, the kind of the olive green look. It just it just was sharp to me. The, I love the like special edition uniforms. They've almost gone a little bit overboard in them where it's like they are representing these units that you've never even heard of. That was like a three man unit in like 1940. I, it's cool, but. You can't, like, not do colors that aren't your colors. They have, like, red helmets and, like I said, olive green. Like, it's kind of cool, but it's just a little bit overboard for me. You want to change the helmets or something, that's cool. But if anything, I think Army and Navy, they should be the teams that never, ever change their – they should be, like, a Penn State or a Michigan where it's just the same uniforms year after year. Hmm. I'm surprised yeah, at that I, take. I, I, like respect the, it. I like the alternates, but it does seem like sometimes it goes a little overboard. I, I know what you're saying. Some of, When it says, like, it's in honor of – whatever this battalion or this group you know obviously i don't really know much about them sometimes but you know they do look cool but speaking about the alternate uniforms a big one you know especially in the state of michigan where the the gruff sparty yeah. helmets that michigan state wore yesterday what do we think about that personally i thought they were awesome yeah i, I liked I, it i loved them you guys were arguing about this or i guess we all were on twitter about matt i think you took the opposite direction now that i'm thinking about it okay 
huge what what was it a third down and third and short or fourth and no fourth and short the punt the unit punt they are all spread out on the line of scrimmage and and in unison all all the players that are in the backfield sprint toward the line and all the players that are on the line of scrimmage sprint downward and Michigan State jumps off sides now I hate Michigan State as much as the next guy I have no problem with them falling for it but that seems to be something that one teams should be utilizing. Every like I don't know why is that not used more often. I would fall for that if I'm on the defensive line. I'm falling for that 100. percent And if you're like the NCAA, how do you allow that play to happen? I don't understand how that's legal. I know <laughs> uh, technically according to the rules, it's not illegal, but that is such a like bullshit. Who's to say that these guys that are on the line of scrimmage, literally sprinting downward, are not moving forward at all? Yeah, it, it's just insane. Yeah. It, it, you, it's not fair. It's just not fair. It should be not be allowed. Yeah, I think I mean the main thing is like because the center hadn't grabbed the ball yet when the guy started moving. So in a way, it's essentially the same as like when the punt team is rushing onto the field last second to get a punt off. Yeah, because the the center hasn't touched the ball yet. So like it's it's kind of the same thing as that. But right when the guys are already kind of lined up and then they start moving, it definitely looks really weird. But your your point is spot on. Why haven't more teams done this? Like why is James Franklin? the guy who, like, can't figure out when to call a timeout, the first guy, at least that I know, I feel like I haven't seen this. Ted, do you remember ever seeing it? Like, seems like this is the first time I've seen this, so it's no. kind of crazy. No, I've never seen it, and I, it blew my mind, to tell the you the truth. The one time I've seen it is in high school was Lowell versus uh, Detroit Martin Luther King in, uh, in the championship game probably four, five, six years ago okay. when Lowell lost on the very last play. Break down that one. What was Where it? basically it, was, it would be, like, fourth and short, They'd all be on the line of scrimmage. They would do, like, a hard count, and the entire team would, like, other than the quarterback, would sprint, like, to the left down the line of scrimmage, and they would fall for it every freaking time. And ever since then, I'm like, why does it, don't more teams do it? But it's just, in in the general idea, do you guys agree that it just should not be around? Like, how you should not be able to do that. We, I, th- it's I thought there tricky. was I thought there was rules in place for deceptive type of plays, like the lonesome yeah. receiver that's standing by the sideline. Isn't that <laughs> banned? I mean, it just seems like the it, it seems like it should be illegal, but I understand why it is legal. And and again, to your point, why in the hell aren't teams doing this more often in that critical type of situation in a game? I mean, it's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, maybe part of it is you like actually getting your players to execute it correctly. So, but like if you're in a fourth and short where you're probably going to punt anyway, you may as well give it a shot because if you get a five-yard penalty, right. oh, well, you, you were going to punt anyway. So it is almost like, yeah, why, why don't you just give it a shot once or twice a game? And if it works, cool. If it doesn't, okay, well, you're going to punt anyway. Isn't the, the wording that intent to deceive, isn't that what you're talking about, Ted? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's BS, but – the big storyline this week, obviously for us, has been Michigan-Ohio State, which I never in a million years thought this game would actually, actually be canceled. <laughs> right. And it, we're coming to find out, basically, you know, Dave Portnoy, all these other kind of big Michigan talking heads in, in a way, are kind of agreeing with basically what Kirk Herbstreit said, which is that it, it wasn't – it was it was a little bit ironic that they happened to have this COVID outbreak right before this game. Now, I'm not COVID shaming. I'm saying that it's just so ironic and unbelievable that of all the games that they're going to have a big breakout for, it's always against Ohio State. We talked about this last week. Why is it always against Ohio State that all these teams keep dropping? (laughs) At least the Big Ten made the change, and I love how I say, like, the Big Ten made the change. No, Ohio State is the Big Ten. So they weren't going to not send Ohio State to the to the Big Ten championship game. Like, if I was Ohio State, I would have left the conference right then and there. But it's just kind of annoying how 
I was I was kind of shocked with myself that I, at 11.59 on Saturday, I was like, man, I really wish I was watching Michigan Ohio ah, State right me now. Me too. Me too. Now, you say it's ironic, and that's a pretty good word. The only thing is, you know, Michigan did call off their game against Maryland the week before. It's not like right before Ohio State, all of a sudden they got COVID. You know? Bury the lead. Well, that's true. It's smart, <laughs> right? There's, it's a higher education yeah. university for sure. It, it, was, it was depressing to me, though. I mean, first time ever, no Michigan-Ohio State, I'll tell you that. Yeah, and I think the main thing is, like, there's a lot of people obviously very skeptical of the reporting of positive cases or just all this, this, the COVID stuff in general. But so it's like when, when they report their numbers of positive cases, there are a lot of people questioning it. And it's kind of like, well, it's basically either like if you trust the reporting or if you don't. They, they reported that they had a, a ton of cases within the program, within all the athletics at Michigan of positive cases or the contact tracing and everything. So it's almost kind of like, it's like, do you either trust that or not? And obviously there's a lot of people who don't who say they were kind of inflating the numbers a little bit so they wouldn't play. But, you know, I, I just I, – I don't think it was they were trying to duck Ohio State. I mean, Michigan this whole time and, like, the um, the president and the, the medical advisors and everyone at Michigan, they were the ones all the way even back in, like, July, August playing it, like, super safe. So it didn't surprise me that at any hint of – an outbreak within the program they were they were shutting it down like they weren't going to be the team like what did we see minnesota yesterday had 33 players out and it's just like wait a minute i thought i thought like the big 10 rules were you weren't supposed to play if you had like a bunch of players out like and i feel like if michigan had that many there's no way they would have played down 33 players so it's just it's so weird because then like ohio state canceled the game a few weeks ago against illinois but then they played the next week so it's all just like it's such a mess. I mean, I don't know what to believe, but it well, yeah. kind of sucked not to see the game. College football is a mess right now, and the Big Ten started it all by not starting their season earlier and giving themselves some buffer room. You know, I mean, it's just it was just stupid to begin with, and that's where they're at now. Now we see teams, you know, crying and whining because Ohio State's only played five games, and you know, other schools have played ten games, and frankly, they have a point, don't they? It isn't fair. No, it's a. I'm. Uh, I am so Dabo Sweeney'd out. I never thought I would say that. I never thought I would say that. Four or five years ago, I loved the guy. Anything he said, like, be, bring your own guts in the post-game interview, I loved it. Now, every time this guy speaks to the media, it makes me hate him more and more and more. He's talking about how Ohio State doesn't deserve. Dude, you should have lost to Ohio State last year. Like, Ohio State was a better team than Clemson last year. It took a miscommunication between Fields and Chris Olave for them not to win that game is really the only reason you, you won. And it just dabbles when you guys have lost. You've lost the game to Notre Dame. We know Notre Dame is, is fool's gold. Notre Dame's fool's gold every year. You, you'll come and see come, come college football playoff. I'm just so sick of people calling out Ohio State because Ohio State is a team that every single year when they're in the college football playoff or they're in one of these big games, they show up. They're not a team like Clemson from 2012, 2014 that like shits the bet every time they're in these games. They always show up. You know Ohio State is legit. Enough with the resumes. Tell me this. If these two teams played on a neutral field, like would it be like Clemson's favored by a bunch? or And not even necessarily Clemson, but the other teams that people think should be in, like Cincinnati or something like that, or Texas A&M. If it's neutral field, who are you taking, Ohio State or Texas A&M? I think pretty much everybody Ohio would go Ohio State. Ohio State. Yeah, but my, my point is, and I agree with you about Dabo Sweeney, he's an asshole, but so what? He has a good point. No. Yes, he does. No. Five, you play five it's, games. In norm, okay, in a general in a general year, yes. Not in a COVID year. Everyone's got bullshit games going on right now. Okay. It's, everyone's I, well, missing I'm games. Not, but, but you're missing the point. I'm not saying that Ohio State should be left out. I'm saying 
you know, it is kind of unfair for these teams that have played a 10 or 11 game schedule and are beating each other up every week. And Ohio State only has five games. That's all. I mean, yeah, are they one of the top four teams? For sure. Yeah, I think, to me, I think the main point is what Jared said, is that it's a COVID year, 2020. If it was any other other year, and I don't know why games would be canceled any other year, but if if games were canceled, I think maybe it would be a different story. But this whole year is about, like, making adjustments and, you know, like, changing things on the fly. And I think that's the main point is, if if, if Ohio State had only played two or three games, I think that would be very different. But by the time they're going to play next week, they'll have probably smash Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship. I'm pulling for Northwestern. Yeah, they'll have six games. And I think, personally, I think that will be plenty to see. Because, again, to Jared's point, man, I'm I'm agreeing with Jared a lot. I don't know what's going on today. (laughs) But uh, to Jared's point, six games, to me, knowing Ohio State always shows up in these big games. I know, like, last year, previous years, that's a completely different season. But I think that is a good point, that Ohio State isn't just some, like, fluky team like a Cincinnati this year or something like that, or like UCF a couple years ago. Ohio State is traditionally good. They've shown enough. Six games, that's plenty. Put them in. And, you know, like, the one weird thing, I think, is, like, the ACC, like Clemson, Dabo, not playing this weekend. You know, Notre Dame and Clemson play their games this weekend basically – to protect those two teams getting to the ACC championship next weekend. Whereas you see like Florida yesterday, they played their game against LSU and they lost. Yeah, they got so shot. they're basically, even if they beat Alabama in the SEC championship, they're Florida is basically out because they already have two losses. So that's a little more shady to me. So if, if Dabo and Clemson, if they want to talk about Ohio state and all this other stuff, you should have played your game yesterday because Florida played theirs. And they happen to lose. So I think that's a little more shady than anything else. Yeah, and I want to go back to last week, too, and we talked about it a little bit. I know, Jared, you were you were definitely against expanding the playoffs this season because of the COVID. I think this is the ideal time to do it. Why not? No, All the other no. rules are thrown out. Let's go with eight teams, eliminate some of this stuff. And don't you think it would be fun to watch an eight-team tournament this year in college no. football? College football is a joke this year. We're not we're we're kidding ourselves. If we're if you guys are sitting there in front of these TVs, not like in the past where, in past years I would be in front of my TV from 9 a.m. watching college game day until midnight after the Pac-12. It's this different. Year, it's um, different. In and out, um, Same here. Same like, here. We all can agree. Do you really want that first year that it's eight man playoff to be? Coastal Carolina, BYU, and like these these teams in it? Why not? I don't. Why not? Why not? We're we're, we're going to have two playoff games on New Year's Day, right? That's kind of unique for a change. But why not? Why not have a – why not this year, such a crappy year, like you said? You wouldn't sit down and watch these matchups? I would. Yeah, this- I, think, I think to that point, being like this year, I think a lot of these bowls, all these other bowls, I mean, some of them may happen. But I feel like a lot of these bowls are going to get canceled anyway. Yep. Whether a, a team has an outbreak or, like, they can't travel – to wherever the game is, you know, if, if Michigan's being asked to travel to Florida or something for a bowl game, or, well, I guess Michigan probably might not even be in a bowl this year. But you know what I'm saying? Like, some of these bowls might not even happen. So why not just, I would almost say, like, cancel every other bowl game and just have an 18 playoff. That way you get a bunch of those bowl games. You still get, a, a you know, a postseason, I guess. And then, yeah, maybe this year, any other year, Coastal Carolina probably wouldn't even be in consideration. But this year? Whatever, put them in. Put them at number eight. Put them against number one Alabama and see if they can, you know, do something or whatever. But you know, it, it would be fun, and I think a lot of people would be for it. And Jared, 
you're saying like no and you know you're not watching if they had an 18 playoff I think you would watch those games I, I would it's just disappointing leading in because we really can't even get like these all-star matchups it seems like this year because even like Florida versus Alabama the game we are all looking for there's nothing more irritating and Michigan nothing. did this Michigan did this the year when they lost to Ohio State on the like the fourth down is they lost to Iowa the week before. And it just all the momentum rolling into the game just gets vaporized. And it's not as good of a game as, as it was going to be. That's what's like happening with like Florida and Alabama and all these other teams. We need to start a like category, like a statistical category about teams that in big games uh, wet the bed and teams right before big games like make it so that it's not a big game because they wet the bed before the game. Just something that irritates the hell out of me every single year. A lot of wet in the bed there. I know that. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> there's two of them. There's two different ways to do it. There's the one that ruins the game before it even start starts, and there's the one that ruins the game when that game actually happens. No, you're you're onto something because if Florida could have pulled off that uh, win against LSU last night, Florida had like those two championship games: the Notre Dame Clemson for the ACC, and then Florida Alabama for the SEC. Those would have been two. I mean, they'll, they'll still be good games, but, you know, incredible games to think about, like yeah. implications and all that stuff. But now now that Florida lost and Alabama looks so good, it, it did lose a little luster. But, I mean, it, they'll, they'll still be fun games. I, I'm all about put, put Coastal Carolina, though, in, in the college football playoff. That'd be fun as hell to watch. You, you know, you guys talk a little bit about these uh, conspiracy theories. What, uh, what happens if, uh, let's say, the Notre Dame-Clemson game gets postponed because of COVID and they just don't play it? Because that, that locks them, 100% locks them in the playoffs, right? If you were Notre Dame, what, yeah, that's a great question. If you're Notre Dame and you know probably now that Trevor Lawrence is back, you're probably going to lose this game. What happens if they just have a COVID outbreak? Exactly. Is it, a, it has to be forfeit, I would think. I don't understand. I feel like I, I a lot know. of these should have been forfeited. But I, 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 I do, too, technically, yeah, instead of just postponed or just yeah. wiped off the schedule. Yeah, I don't know what they would do if that happened, but right, if – if something does happen and they can't play that game, you'd have to think they would. The playoff committee would still put those two teams in, depending on, I guess, whatever else happens. But the the dream scenario, the dream scenario would have been Florida winning uh, yesterday and then Florida beating Alabama. So you've got, you know, Florida and Alabama sitting there both with one loss, and then Clemson beating Notre Dame. So they're both sitting there with one loss, and then Ohio State still sitting there. That would have been the dream, like, yeah. crazy scenario. And Texas A&M well, there with one loss. Right. You know, you, Jared, you brought up the fact about Notre Dame wanting the COVID thing, but really, Dabo. I mean, you know, Notre Dame could beat Clemson again, and that they're go- they're done. They're yeah. out of the playoffs, right? Yeah. They could. I, I, that, I'm not going to lie. That's what I'm rooting for. I 100% rooting against Clemson this season. Well, we're just we're, like with the and I'm on a I'm on a Clemson rant now. Just like even starting <laughs> off this like off season. Remember when it was like Trevor Lawrence is like the white knight of like Tank social social justice, where because he was he like tweeted out like let us play and everyone like rallied around it. Like he didn't really do anything. He just tweeted something. He's not like standing. He's not like Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, the 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 irritation started right there with Clemson. I'm kind of like you're you're going on your Clemson rant. I know, Ted, you, you never want to see Ohio State win. Nope. I, I don't know, for, for whatever reason, maybe it's because of all these ridiculous hot takes. Like even Dan Mullen last night after Florida lost, all of a sudden he's saying that uh, teams that don't play enough games shouldn't be in. It's like, oh, it's kind of like the Coach K thing that we might talk about. Coach K, after they lose, is like, yeah, we shouldn't be playing. Right. Mullen loses a game. They're probably out of the playoffs. Dan Mullen now all of a sudden is like, yeah, hey, we shouldn't be letting these teams in. But I'm because of all this stuff, I, I want to see Ohio State 
like kick everyone's ass. I want to see them beat Northwestern by 30, get to the playoff, and whoever they play in the first round, beat them by 30, probably play Alabama in the championship game, and win that. Like, I don't ever want to see Ohio State win a national championship, but all these people saying, like, they haven't played enough games, five games, six games, I just think this year is so crazy. I mean, you've got, like, teams that have only played two games. Like, Wisconsin was playing yesterday, and they were – I was like, holy crap, this is only their fifth game Wisconsin has played. Put Ohio State in, run the table, and prove everyone wrong, and then Ohio State will just keep keep right on rolling. Yeah, there's, a, probably, there's, there's a little bit of me that understands that and kind of could see that, but, no, I can't do it. Well, he, I, I've, <laughs> I've been hearing so much about Ohio State. I want Northwest – I love Northwestern's oh coach, God. first of all. Uh, you know, I just I would love to see, and I know you know we want to have Big Ten pride and all that BS, but I want Northwestern to beat them. I'm rooting for happening. Northwestern. It could, it's it's always that team from that that division every single year. There, it's either Wisconsin, Northwestern, Iowa. You know, in actuality, they kind of suck. And they're going to lose to Ohio State, and they're going to lose in the very next bowl game. So it happens every single well, year. Well, we heard Matt, Matt's take, but are you what's are one, you rooting for Northwestern? Yes. Or no, I'm not rooting for Northwestern. I don't, I don't you're care rooting about for Ohio State. I'm rooting for Ohio State because people are people are saying like Ohio State had it so easy this year. How about the fact that they've had so many less, less practices because they're doing Zoom meetings because they can't meet? How is is that like not in uh, the fact that they like imagine a college kid you're getting prepped for these games that just get keep getting canceled? Do you think you're going to have the same amount of focus? Like knowing that you're probably you're not ah, playing this week for like two straight ah, weeks where you're you're playing you don't even have a game to prepare for <laughs> like they have had their own negative drawbacks to having this less less games played. Yeah, I, I hadn't really thought about that. I mostly just I you know seeing seeing like maybe it's because it's people like Dabo and some some of the other people that are throwing out their hot takes. I don't like seeing that. I, I'm I'm so glad that you're on the anti Dabo side, Jared. I mean, <laughs> come come hop on that that bandwagon with me. I've been been so off of Dabo for so long. That just bothers me. That makes three of us. He's a snake oil salesman. We all know it. There's no question. <laughs> I don't about know it. how to explain it. I don't know when when the tides turn, but it's something about him being on like ESPN saying something every day has just it's rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, he's kind of like Bobby Bowden used to be. You know, he used to come off as this good old boy, but yeah. I, you know, deep down inside, inside, he was sending daggers out there. You know. For sure. Hey, you know, uh, also, since uh, we talked about Michigan-Ohio State, you know, the game canceled. It was a shame. We'll see what happens down the road. Uh, but, you know, the Spartans came out, played pretty well against uh, Penn State at the beginning. Looks like they may have a quarterback in Peyton Thorne. But, you know, the difference between Michigan and, and uh, Penn State right now, James Franklin seems to have right rightened the ship, if you will. You know, he's got three wins. Looks like they're playing pretty well now. And, you know... They'll rebuild again next year and probably be solid again. Big difference all of a sudden between Penn State and Michigan. And really, like to that point, even Michigan State, I know they lost and technically finished last in the division this year. But they, you know, I think everyone knew this season was going to be rough for Michigan State, but they were, or yeah, for Michigan State, but they were at least putting up a fight. And obviously they whooped on Michigan. So both of those teams, for as stupid and crazy and wild as this season has been, I think they like, they kind of established something. They showed something that they do have, you know, some fight and they're building a program or right. Like James Franklin didn't just completely lose the program. Whereas Michigan, uh, we can't even figure out if Harbaugh is going to sign an extension or not. (laughs) 
Yeah, I don't know what's going to end up happening. We're recording this on Sunday. We may hear something this week. I don't know. We've heard a lot of rumors about he's been offered uh, a lesser contract with uh, heavy incentives. I've heard rumors that, you know, his ego won't allow him to sign that. He's going to move on. Again, we seem to talk about this every week, but uh, as of today, what is it, the 13th of December? What do we think is going to happen with uh, Harbaugh? Something I will say that's very interesting that I actually saw by our friends at Blue by 90. Um, Harbaugh's odds to be the Lions' next coach have went from 1,100 for like three days ago to plus 200 today. That's Something a, that's pretty interesting. It's interesting. That normally it doesn't happen. It's completely and, insane to me, but you're right. It is And that's either because the sharp, the sharps know something that this is actually has a little bit more likelihood of happening than we think, or people are just hammering this like potentially happening, like the betters are. I don't know which one it is. I would say it's probably more likely that people are just betting on Harbaugh to go to the Lions, but I don't know. It's it's a little bit scary to say the least. What are the odds? Because I would put I would put a ton of money down that he's not going to the Lions. <laughs> I mean, that was, that's just insane. Well, you'd bet a hundred and you'd make fifty back. I'd bet more than that now. I mean, yeah. are you kidding me? I'd be. I would be shocked if he went to like if he was going to go to the NFL. If he chose the Lions, just because I don't think he would tuck his tail and run just a few miles down the road. Yeah, where he's still going to be in the same area, same fan like, base. It'd be like breaking up with your girlfriend and going to date her cousin. It's like you're still yeah okay you're not with that girl but you're still like in the same family. Like he would still be seeing all the Michigan stuff. He'd probably still be living in Ann Arbor. You know, like I, I would just be so shocked if he went to the Lions. And just the fact that like, why would he go to the Lions? Like, why would he not try to fix Michigan and go to the Lions? That's just as dysfunctional as anything. Yeah. I would think, I would think the Michigan job is a better job than the lion job, isn't it? Right. They're, they both have the same kind of pressure. Yeah, the coaching's a little different because you gotta you gotta recruit kids. The Lions' and stuff job in does not have pressure. The Lions' no. job does not have pressure. And think about it; they have the lowest expectations of any fan. Make the playoffs. That part is you just true. have to make the that playoffs. That part is true. <laughs> no, no one's expecting you to win a Super Bowl. Just have a winning record. Yeah. Win eight games. That's all you gotta do. It just blow my mind if he got to that point. That's for sure. Um, I do have. Hey, Matt, I like to check in with you periodically when questions come to my mind when I'm watching games on television and you're our resident expert on production working for ESPN you know I've noticed a majority of college football games are being broadcast by announcers that are remote and overall my perspective is it's pretty close to when they're there I mean it's it, it doesn't sound a whole lot different there's some subtle things that you can pick up on but uh, what's the biggest difference and biggest challenge I guess producing a game like that with the announcers elsewhere I mean the, the biggest challenge I guess is the delay I mean just there's there's some things with technology that you really just can't you can't avoid even if you have the best technology in the world you know if you've got your play-by-play is at his house in in North Carolina and the color guy is at his house in New York and they're calling a game in East Lansing Michigan gonna be a little bit of a delay you know from what they're seeing on their screen to what they're saying in the microphone to what they're hearing in their ear from the producer. So that's, I mean, that's what you do end up hearing sometimes. Like they'll step on each other a little bit because because of that delay. And then they stop talking because they're waiting for the other guy. And then they both start talking again. So that, that definitely is 100% the biggest hurdle to get over is just that little, even if it's a two-second delay, you know, that's just enough to like throw people off a little bit. 
you know, compared to if you're like, you know, like you guys call high school games, when you're sitting right next to each other, you can, you can like feel each other out. You can feel right. the energy of what's going on. And when you're not, when you're not sitting next to each other, especially even the producer's not even there, that makes it tough. But I mean, the thing is, is these games have been being produced like this for I don't know, 10 years, maybe, maybe even a little more. So not, not necessarily big games, like what's going on right now because of the situation, but you know, a lot of times people didn't even notice. So now, now people are just more aware of it. Now, another question: Are are the the announcers are they sitting at home watching it on their their big screen TV, or do they have like a series of monitors in front of them? What what kind of equipment are they hooked up with? And you, you talked about them being to hear hear the producer talking to them. I mean, what kind of special equipment are they are they geared up with? Yeah, so it it depends on mostly probably I don't want to say like how important, but you know, like how big the game is. Most people, you wouldn't just be watching it, like, over your, your satellite TV, like ESPN or, you know, whoever it is. The, the production would come in and hook them up with uh, a playback monitor and then, like, a, a monitor where they can see every camera. So, you know, if there's five, six, seven, twelve cameras, you'll have a monitor with all the cameras on there so you can see that. And then, yeah, they'll have the playback camera. And sometimes they'll even have a camera of the producer so if they need to like talk to them, you can actually maybe like look at each other. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Usually they have a few monitors, and then you know they've got their microphones and stuff like that. So and some of them even you know they'll set up their their house to like look like a studio or something like that. But I mean, yeah, they, most people, especially the, the the big time ones. I mean, the people that are calling games consistently from home, they basically get set up with like a, a full control room in their house. I mean, they get set up with microphones, a soundboard. Uh, you know, multiple monitors. They they install you know fiber internet or whatever the best internet they can get and all that kind of stuff. You know, pro- professional microphones, everything, because they they want it to sound as true as they can. You know. Well, like I said, the the difference is minimal. You know, because it's not like radio play by play where you got to describe everything and it's best to to see the entire field. But on a football game, I think they do a pretty good job with it. Now. As we know, and especially where where you work, ESPN, there's been budget cuts, there's been layoffs, and uh, you know it's been tough out there all the way around in the media. Is this because it's been pulled off so well? I know you said it's been done before, but are we going to see more and more broadcast in the future where they won't send the, the the broadcast team to the actual stadium and they'll do it remote? So I, I think this is definitely something that you know we've we've talked about before, like what COVID, what all the social distancing, and what. Uh, the quarantines and everything, it's almost like forced the hand of some businesses to, like, figure out how to do things remotely. And ESPN and, like, sports television production is definitely right there because, like, a few nights ago, uh, my office down here in Charlotte, we, we did one of the NBA preseason games, and that's it's the first NBA game we've ever done, and we proved that we can do it. So, like, being forced to do some of these games, some of these bigger college football games, NBA games, uh, MLB playoff games were being done remotely like that. We did a bunch here in Charlotte. So being forced to do it, we've then proved that, hey, we can do it. And it looks basically the same as if we sent a crew to the site with a truck and everything like that. Yeah, I think it's something, you know, obviously like the Super Bowl or the Michigan-Ohio State game or, you know, stuff like that. There, there are certain games that they will once, you know, once social distancing and this pandemic gets all figured out, they will go back to sending a crew to those sites. But no, I mean, like yesterday's Penn State-Michigan game was done, or Penn State-Michigan State game was done here in Charlotte. Games like that, I think they'll be 
probably forever. They'll be done done remotely. Did you work on that game? I did, yep. Okay, so I, I got one more question. You know, it's, it's just fast. <laughs> I'm an old guy that will never get into the business at this point. But, you know, I think some of our listeners you know, want to know a little of the behind-the-scene things. And I know I do. That's just because I'm a curious guy that's in the business. Uh, so what, what, is, what are your exact duties when you're in your studio down there? And, and how does it all come together for what you do? Well, it, it depends. The NBA game, uh, well, it depends on what game it is. So, like, yesterday's Michigan State-Penn State game. Me and a few other people, we were running the, the replay machines, the EVS. It's called the Dreamcatcher machine. So we're the ones, basically, when you see replays, when you see, like, say, Peyton Thorne's having a good day and there's a package of, like, all his good throws, we're the ones building all that stuff, all the graphics, all basically everything you see on TV that's not, like, you know, the guy sitting there operating the camera, that's what we're doing. We're rolling the replays. We're building the packages. We're editing the video. We're doing all that stuff. So we're the ones. Uh, producing the game basically and we have a producer talking to us a director telling us what cameras to cut to when to roll stuff uh what what plays to put in you know the the package and what to put on the graphics and everything like that now that the nba game is it was really cool like there's there's called a world feed and they're cutting the game uh i guess for like for everyone so like to send to it was a sacramento portland trailblazers blazers game is what we were doing so they're doing a world feed for the people in portland for the people in Sacramento for ESPN so they're doing like a general big feed with all the replays and everything and then we're also in charge of rolling our own replays so it's like a like a team I guess collaboration of that production so so yeah basically I was the easiest way to tell people is like when you see edited video during a game or you see a replay rolled or something like that it may not be me but it's like someone on my team doing that stuff or building the graphics all right I got one more question (laughs) (laughs) Now, it, to me, it just seems like, okay, you're producing a game there, and, and the game's taking place. It seems like it's got to be kind of organized chaos and kind of a lot of pressure. I mean, I know you're a professional, and you've been doing this now for 10 years or so. What's, what's it feel like to you, Garby? You're, like, psyched up, like it's, it's showtime, or is it like, man, this is stressful, but you pull it off? I mean, how, what's going through your mind? Oh, it's, I mean, it's, it's high adrenaline. I mean, I think, Jared, you've talked about um, – before like getting that rush of you know like when you're playing sports you want to feel that rush and it it 100% is a similar rush because I mean there's times I mean you got to think I don't know how many viewers were watching Michigan State Penn State but you know some of these games millions of people are watching it so there's millions of people literally watching what I'm about to roll and you know like sometimes it's crazy like something may happen and they might be like on where on camera eight you know let's see the three-point shooters toe on the line quick quick get it and you've got to like I mean now you got to get it now find that roll it back get it to the right cue spot and then roll it at the correct speed and stuff like that and you know sometimes when you're watching a game you'll see they'll cut to a replay and you see the guy like rewinding rewinding the tape or you'll see maybe they rolled the wrong play so obviously mistakes do happen and uh that's not very good when that does happen so yeah there's a lot of pressure and then especially like you gotta think like when there's a buzzer beater or like when there's a Hail Mary at the end of the game and everyone's going crazy. Producers are screaming, directors are screaming, cut these cameras. You know, everyone's going crazy because it's a huge moment in the game and on TV and you've got to roll the right replays. All of a sudden, maybe one coach is going crazy, so you got to find that replay. Um, Or maybe there's a fight happening, so you got to find the camera that has that fight or something. So, no, it's it's 100% uh, adrenaline the whole time. Unless you get a complete blowout in the third quarter and it's already a 70 point game and you're just like, Oh my God, get this clock rolling, you know, but um, no, it's, it's definitely a rush. 
Oh, good stuff, man. Just fascinating to me, man. <laughs> you guys do a great job, that's for sure. I'm still a diehard ESPN fan, so I know there's people out there that give ESPN grief, but not me, man. I'm with you. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And it's only going to be more college football because they just got complete rights of the SEC. So ESPN basically owns all of college football for the most part. That kind of that kind of falls into your I, sweet spot, right? I'm going to miss the SEC. A little bit on CBS. I hope that they can get the announcers somehow, maybe, you know, get them to cross over. I love the 3 p.m. CBS kind of like that's the they, biggest they game dominated. of the week. I hope that ESPN follows that in some way or another. They're supposed to. I, I hope I it doesn't that. I hope it doesn't turn into, oh, Alabama versus Arkansas at noon on, you know, Saturday. Mm-hmm. I, I just – there's a few things I'm, I'm a little bit apprehensive about. I think it's overall a good move because all CBS did was the SEC, but I think – I'm just a little bit apprehensive about it. That's all I'm going to say about it. That afternoon CBS SEC game was definitely, it was always Alabama LSU or Alabama-Auburn. So it was awesome. Vern Lundquist and all those. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be missed. So, yeah, I'll be curious to see what they do, though. And that's one thing I'll say. Gary Danielson, I think he does a great – I love him. Oh, he's excellent. I think he's a – he doesn't – he never gets thrown out there, though. With the good uh, color guys, I think he's he's awesome. That's just me personally. I, I'm, a, I'm a Danielson fan too, and I'm not sure where he's going to end up if he does go to ESPN. He easily could slide into the NFL as well. Yeah. Well, good stuff, boys, on college football. Anything else you guys got on the table before we move on to maybe a little bit of entertainment tonight? I guess not. So uh, we'll have a, a, we'll wrap this up with a little entertainment news. Before we get to it, though, we'll tell you about Hankard Sportswear, the area's top clothing and more printing business, located in the heart of Owasso, 116 West Exchange Street. Follow them on Facebook at Hankard.Sportswear. Advanced Elevator Company, they have expert field technicians for troubleshooting, repair, and installation of elevators. An area business leader and a huge supporter of the Corona Public Schools. And speaking of Corona, the CoronaConnection.com. They know it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on Cavalier Nation at CoronaConnection.com. All right, before we get into entertainment news, we talked a little bit about it with announcers at games and the future of, uh, you know, broadcasters maybe being more and more remote at home. I think with this COVID year we've had, this movie experience and going to theaters, that looks like that's drastically drastically going to change with uh, you know all the different streaming services and you know movies being available right now and you can pop it up on your big screen tv pay 20 bucks you can bring you know 10 of your buddies over to watch the latest release and not have to pay the uh, the big prices for concessions is this something that uh, the entertainment industry is really going to have to worry about I don't want movie theaters to go away. I don't think anyone totally wants movie theaters to go away, but I think people are lying. There is a very small percentage of people that go to maybe more than one movie a year. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to lie. I've been to the movie theater to see Star Wars, Avengers Endgame, and maybe one one other movie here or there. So I can't be too like upset the fact that it seems like it's kind of going away, but it, it's just one of those things where you like knowing that you could always go see a movie in the theater. Yeah, I'm with you that I definitely – don't want to see it go away, but I I, I, I I got a feeling that it's going to be starting to be phased out because the thing I like going to the the theater experience is just that. It's a social night. It's a you go out for dinner in a movie. You know, yeah. I mean, that's it's just part of Americana. And I hate to see it go. But, you know, with this streaming service and everything else uh, moving so fast and, and it's just convenient at home, I'm afraid that's what the future has for us. Yeah, I guess that that is a good point. You know, I. I thinking about movie theaters potentially going away it is sad because i've always just completely loved 
going to the movies and, you know, getting popcorn and sitting there and it's loud and everyone's laughing when it's a funny movie or, you know, yeah. when it's a sad movie, you can hear the whole theater, you know, kind of crying or, you know, whatever. It's just silent. everything about a movie theater experience is so cool. But right, like what you said, Jared, I don't go to the movies that much anymore. So it's like if it did go away, like, yeah, it, would, it like it would suck to think like, man, there's no movie theater that I could go to. But I also don't really go that much anymore, so I would yeah. gladly just watch the movie on HBO Max or whatever. So, so yeah, it's more like maybe the nostalgia of thinking about movie theaters being gone that it does kind of suck. Yeah. Well, and I also got a couple things. I, uh, I'll repeat myself a couple times. I'm continuing on through Yellowstone. I'm oh in the fi- I'm in the third season right now. Just as show's good. been around that long. Yep, season four coming up oh here, my. I think, in the spring. It's it's outstanding. Right. I, I hate to uh, kind of steal your segment. Enough of the Yellowstone. Okay. Uh, well, let's talk about something that people actually want to hear about. Okay. I know you might not. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. Star Wars and Disney Plus. I have. Yawn. They stole the show on Thursday. They announced like 10 to like 15 new Star Wars shows, and I was saying something to my dad about it. He could not have looked less interested. <laughs> but I think that's the, the, what a lot of people think. You either love Star Wars or you're so out on it that the even the thought of it coming up like in your discussion is is annoying. But the big storyline is Hayden Christensen, who played Anakin Skywalker in the prequels, is coming back for an Obi-Wan series with e- Ewan McGregor. And this is big news because Christensen has gotten so much shit for how he played Skywalker and Darth Vader and all this stuff, when I actually think it was more of just the script that made him look so terrible. But he's coming back, and it's going to be, if he can somehow pull it off and do really well in this role, it's kind of like the comeback actor of the year. So I'm really looking forward to watching that in 2021. Yeah, I'm definitely on the side. I'm I'm out on Star Wars stuff, not because I think it's like corny or you know. I've just never gotten into it, so I, I can under, I can appreciate how great it is, how cool the movies and these shows are. And I saw a ton of people talking about exactly what you're talking about, Jared. So I can appreciate all that. I just have never seen them, so I don't really get it. But I do know everyone says that the Mandalorian series yep. on Disney Plus is just like incredible. So if I was ever going to, like, get into Star Wars, I almost don't even know if I would watch the movie. I'd probably just go right to The Mandalorian and maybe start there. Yeah, I'd probably be along that line, too. I mean, I I enjoyed the original, you know, nine movies of Star Wars, but I wasn't into every detail. You know, I couldn't even tell you all the characters. But it was enjoyable movies. But the funny part, and I think I've talked about it before, it's always the same, you know. It's 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 kind of like the same thing with superhero movies. I mean, it's all oh basically the same plot. I'm just gonna say this. I'm looking at your notes right now. I see Johnny Cash, A Night to Remember, May 1973. So, all right, you want to bring that up? We'll talk about that. Let's, no, we let's... don't have to talk about it. It's, 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 <laughs> what the hell is that? Well, we, I can't take can, my eyes off. We each it. can talk about whatever we want. It happens to be. I put a note here. I just happened to watch it last night. It was oh a, my god. It was it was a night. 19- you cannot be throwing stones at Star Wars when, I, when you're watching Johnny Cash. <laughs> What's wrong with Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash is legendary, but I watched it. It was a concert from 1973, a documentary on Johnny Cash. What's wrong with that? I bet we have listeners that like Johnny Cash. Here's another one. George Harrison. You know I'm a Beatles guy. I love the Beatles. Uh, Martin Scorsese put together a two-part documentary that's been playing on HBO uh, about George Harrison's life. And I got to tell you, we watched the first episode last night. A lot of behind-the-scenes films clips of the Beatles back that I had never seen before. I, I just thought it was great. I, you know, I'm not here I'm not here to try and tell you to watch specific things. I'm just telling our listeners, "Hey, I watched this. I enjoyed it. If you want to check it out, I enjoyed it." That's about all. 
So what, what I was going to ask you, I'm a Johnny Cash fan, so I, I don't, I can't hate on that at all. But uh, where this whole conversation started with the whole movie theater thing, <laughs> Ted, you're, I mean, you're the only one around when the original Star Wars came out. Yes. Do you go see those in the theater, and like how, as like that's back when like movie theaters when it was like, it was like the the lore of going to the movie theater. You know, was was Star Wars like uh, just incredible to see in the theater? Oh, it was it, it was must see for sure. I remember I'll never forget seeing the first Star Wars. You know, because it had a lot of hype build up leading to it. Uh, you, you know, you had to go see Star Wars. And I think at the time, the very first episode, uh, you know, was the highest grossed movie of all time. And uh, I remember seeing it at the old Capitol Theater in downtown Owasso that now is the Lebowski Center, which is they put on plays there. But, yeah, it was, that was the lone uh, theater in town. It, it was must-see. I think 1975 or 6, I think, when it came out. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, like here in my hearing my parents tell me stories about like going to see the original Rocky movie or even like Rambo or, you know, star Wars and stuff like that. Like back in those days when you had to go to the theater to see them, mm-hmm. it, it's just kind of, it makes you really like, I, I guess, nostalgic about the movie theater experience or even drive throughs back when drive throughs were really a thing, you know, it is kind of cool. The number one, the number one memory I have of going to the movies that was a must see movie and you guys have heard of it. You probably have watched it. It's, it's a bit outdated now. But when when The Exorcist came out, and there was so much hype about that, you know. And I remember going to Genesee Valley. They had the theaters over in Flint, Genesee Valley Theaters. I remember waiting out in line for about three blocks to get in to see the movie. And it, it was just jam-packed with people. I mean, that was that was probably the ultimate movie experience I ever had. That's a movie I will never watch. I will never watch that movie. I would recommend you not watch it. It'll freak you out. <laughs> it is a cool movie, and yeah, maybe it, it does feel a little outdated, you know, as far as the technology and stuff, but it's definitely creepy. So I can only imagine, yeah, like the the movie-going experience of that. Or I've heard people talk about the Jaws, going right. to see Jaws in the movie theater would have just been amazing. I mean, that movie is still so cool now, but to be in a theater – when Jaws originally came out with that music and everything, that would have been that would have been really cool. Uh, some of my favorite memories, I guess, that I've had in a the theater go. One was the original Avengers. I remember going to see that in middle school, just kind of last second. And this was before superheroes were really like super super duper big. And I got there and remember like we had to like split up our friend group to everyone sit in the theater. Like I had no idea like that many people were going to be there. And this was like two three days after the movie had even came out. And then another one, is, I think it's something about horror movies, but when I went and saw The Conjuring, a couple of my buddies were sitting, like, we were, we brought probably 20 people there. Some There was the guys with the girlfriends up top, and then there was the, like, guys that didn't have girlfriends sitting down low. I guess that's, like, an un- unwritten rule that you can't sit up top if you're not with a girl. So... I was walking down. How about that? I was walking down. So hey, I was, I was with the girl. All right. <laughs> so they were sitting there, and it was right at the scary, like one of the scariest parts of the movie. And I just like sh- shook the shit out of their chairs, like right behind them. <laughs> I've never seen people so scared of their life. Like those are a couple of my favorite memories, just from going to the theater. That I'm definitely gonna miss if it is, you know, the end. No, yeah, horror horror movies are definitely that at a theater because of that. Because you've got whatever hundred other people in there freaked out too. So you kind of feed off their energy but comedy movies too. And, and the ones that always stick out to me, like you talking about memorable ones, the Jackass movies, when they yeah, first came to the theaters, like back when Jackass was like the thing, that was the, the, it was the funniest thing on TV. And then when it came to a theater, 
that was some of the hardest I've ever laughed in my life in a theater for the Jackass movies. And then the original Hangover. Like, when the first Hangover came out, that was, there were so many, like, jarring, hilarious moments in that movie, especially, like, the end, the credit sequence of that movie. But those two movies, Jackass and Hangover, in the theater, are still probably two of the hardest times I've ever laughed in my life. Yeah, and, you know, kind of wrapping this up, I mean, the way we have just talked about it and the passion that we've had going to the movie theater and the whole experience, let's hope that, that somehow they can keep it together because it really is. It's, it's a fun event when you can go to a movie and see it all on the big screen with the surround sound, with a the crowd. There's nothing like it. You're yeah. not going to get that at home. Yeah. All right. Well, I think, boys, that uh, we've made it through another podcast. You know, we're creeping up on... 2021 let's hope everybody stays safe but let's call this a pod don't forget everybody follow us let our partners know you listen in they include advanced elevator Corona connection hankered sportswear rivals tap house and grill nelson house funeral homes sheridan auction service and z92.5 the castle for jared fatel and matt burns i'm ted fatel thanking you again for supporting three point podcast and stay safe and mask it up out there Three Point Podcast is syndicated worldwide on Sports Radio Detroit and MWSN Radio. The show is a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the WJSZ Mid-Michigan Studios. Spread the word to your friends and family and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at 3PointPod or by email to 3PointPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, bye for now.